Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I gotta tell you, there are people and then there are people. And there are people that I love, and I love almost everybody, but there are just and then there are people. Especially uh somebody's got a feedback going. I have headphones in, so I don't think it's me. Okay, so you know what? I think it might be me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go. There we <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I had the link open. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'll begin. I'll begin again. And there are people. And sometimes there are really, really cool people. And I get the chance to talk to them all. But there are some people that have been on the show uh several times, and she is just a remarkable human being. Uh, and I get to introduce Kayatana to her. Her name is Randy Lee Bosla, and she is a author of a bunch of books um she's a speaker she's an advocate for uh add for adhd and autism and uh she's worked very very hard uh with her child and and uh and gone through the wars with him and the school districts and all that kind of good stuff see i know your story i'm getting to know it pretty well kid yay i'm rubbing <laughs> i'm rubbing off on you <laughs> exactly and uh, are you still doing your podcast by the way oh yeah every wednesday morning we go live at 9 30 eastern um oh, i think i'm hitting like 170 episodes right now well someday you'll grow up and you'll have you know you know how many episodes i've got now between positive talk radio and my independence report um a thousand eleven hundred you're 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 close oh. Nice. That was a good guess. It was. I thought I, that's a lot. I thought I didn't think that you'd guess that many. Well, I know that you do a lot, so I figured I got I got to go big or go home, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. And you're joining us from uh, Canada, I do believe. Yes, in Ontario, Canada. And it's a beautiful area up there, and I'm 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 glad you're here because you know being a kickboxing champion and and uh, Kaitana was saying that at one time she actually had a flat belly too, being a a, a uh, uh, an athlete and and stuff like that, and I did too, but I don't remember when. <laughs> it, was, it, it was that long ago, eh? Forty years ago? For no, for more longer than that. Forty-five years ago. Was, that, that's, that's when you go it was years ago <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was, and, but those are dog years you see so oh, okay. you know how that goes so uh but uh kaitana i know you've done some research on randy lee what do you what do you think do you have any questions for her yeah i wanted to know um so how how do you initiate and navigate conversations about coping with mental health in, in, in your speaking engagements and podcasts, and what impact do you hope these discussions have on your audience? Oh, that is a big question. She, she's going big or going home, right? Like, just <laughs> hit it up. <laughs> so, well, to start, how do I start conversations? Um, honestly, I'm at the point in my life that I just jump right in and, and straight to it, especially on my podcast, because the guests know that's what we're going to talk about. So I do a little, you know, tell me about yourself. But then I'm like, all right, let's talk about mental health. And they're like, all right, because they know it's coming. 
Um, when I'm talking to other people, it might take a little bit more getting to it. Um, but at the same time, I find the direct approach is much better. Beating around the bush has never helped anyone. So I try to go direct with it. Um, and in my speaking engagements, uh, it depends on the audience. But again, I feel the direct approach is the best approach. Um, and then how, how do I hope that it impacts? Well, I hope... I hope that people stop being scared to seek help, that they stop being scared of themselves, because that's a big thing, too, feeling like uh, you can't trust yourself or that you can't be your true, authentic self is pretty stinking scary. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping through talking about it that other people feel more confident in themselves and, and seek the help that they need, too. It's amazing to me. Now, you also, you do a lot of speaking engagements. How did you get into that? Did somebody come up to you and say, hey, I think you'd be great at this? No, but I'd love it if people did. Would that be <laughs> um, So actually, when it all started probably when I was little. So um, I've always been the loud kid, I guess. Not not in school so much, but like in life, like I'm I'm blunt let's say. Um, and when I was little, I was going to be a famous actor. That was my, that was my dream job. Um, one day, one day. Um, and so talking, right, exactly. Talking in front of people has always been easy for me. So it is very natural to then go and do these conversations with different people. Um, if they're live events, sometimes I apply to the event. Like I did one at our local university where you had to apply to become a speaker. And I was one of the chosen ones that year. Um, that made me feel real good. Um, but so sometimes I have to apply. Other times uh, I did one this past summer at the Jazz Fest. And uh, the person that was putting it on, she came to me. So I feel, I feel like I'm getting out there more. It's good. It's good. And then, of course, all of these different podcasts and shows, they are awesome. I um, my publicist at Creative Edge, he helps me find some of them, some of them I found on my own, and then I just keep coming back. <laughs> well, at the Jazz Fest, what did you talk about? A jazzy way to get out of depression? Yeah, I just sat there and did jazz hands. Um, no, <laughs> no, I talked about how mental health can be a barrier for following your dreams and your dreams could be being a musician or being a writer, whatever it is, and how mental health can be that block. And so how do we overcome it? And, um, if you can utilize it for the better, but at, at least deal with it so that you can pursue your dream. And everybody has dreams. Why don't more people pursue them? My dear fear. Oh, I was, that was a really easy answer. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. How do you help people? Because you are very vivacious. You're out there. You, you, you say what you mean and mean what you say. And, uh, how do you help people who are shy or scared or to get out there and, and to put themselves in a place that they may feel uncomfortable? Well, I hope that through, the different tips that I give on the different talks and shows that I, I've been at. And in my past life, I was also an employment counselor. So I, I did the same thing with my clients back then. Um, I had a lot of people with high anxiety that would come in. And how do you go for an interview and hand out a resume when you are so filled with anxiety that you can't even leave your house? Um, so I worked a lot with them. And it, it, a lot of it comes from 
when I share my story, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not all by myself. That, that's one big kind of, I guess, a pillar of it. Um, other ones is that uh, giving, giving coping strategies and tips. So when you are feeling anxious, and this sounds so cliche, but do deep breathing. It sounds so cliche, but it honestly actually works if you do it right. Because um, there is breathing and then there's breathing to help you. Like they're, they're two different things. It sounds weird. Um, and then if people, you know, I'm always just around for a listening ear. I, I was always, even as a teenager, my friends would come and, and share all their all their stories with me. And I'm like, I, I am not a therapist, but I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And so, Kaitana, share a story with her. Oh, one of my stories. Oh, sto well, I, I, personal story of me, I, 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 I mentioned before to you that I do believe I, I have um, HD, HD, H, no, HD, ADHD. No, ADHD, yes. Uh, but I said, like, I never was diagnosed in my country because these things don't happen in my country, only here in the United States, you know, people suffer from autism or depression or, or H, HDHD and others, um, 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 I don't know how the right word to say in, in, in English, but suffer from all these little illnesses that we, you know, that we are not diagnosed. And now I'm older. I am dealing with all of these and um, my doctor, because I'm older, they don't want to diagnose me. Oh, you're too old. They're only doing my children, you know, and I think it's very important that uh, adults uh, also get a chance, chance to get tested and make sure that we can find ways to cope and, and work around our, our um, uh, how do you call this, um, having autism? And, and uh, well, some people call it a disability. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I don't see it as a disability because you can still function, but in a way, in a way affects you, you, you know, in the way you do things, right? Yeah. I like to say it's people. just thinking differently. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yes. We are like dreamers and, and, and we always thinking about ideas and our minds go all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fabulous, but at the same time, sometimes it's exhausting. It's very exhausting. It's like you have, it's like you have a, a video game, like life above you. And the more you do, it kind of, it depletes much faster than other people. Exactly. Yes. And, and Dr. By the way, Dr. Marnie, who is listening to us, would like to say that uh, first of all, she appreciates you greatly. She knows you're not a therapist, but you are an amazing author and a wonderful person. And uh, don't let that go to your head now. <laughs> Marnie is awesome. She's she's been on my show as well. Isn't she something? She is. Yeah. She is a really really cool friend of the show, and I really appreciate her. Yes, uh, me before. too for everything that she has done. Now, there is a story for those people who do not know your story because this is the first time they've seen you, perhaps. perhaps. You have a child who is autistic. I and do. You were a mama bear who would not take no for an answer and explain that whole process that you went through because it may be a guarding light, just guiding light to somebody else who's going through the same thing with their child. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, first, I just want to say when, uh, one thing, because you made her tell her story, so I'm going to give two cents on that first. Um, for anybody that is in a similar situation where they're like, hey, I think I have this, but people aren't believing me or the doctors aren't believing me, find a different doctor. Keep trying because you know yourself best. And even if you never have an official diagnosis, once you once you decide, hey, I think that my brain is thinking differently and maybe I have ADHD, you can start researching coping strategies and different ways to help yourself even when the doctors don't want to believe you. I mean, keep pushing, but you can already start doing that research and finding the things that work best for you. And now, on to your question. Yeah. Well, no, that's let's let's not gloss over that because you Definitely. you're right that that is really that is really important and i i got a kick out of the Cayetano which you said oh it only happens in the united states nobody else has <laughs> problems exactly. like, everybody does it's, we we just have decided to make it more of a thing mm -hmm. um and i think it's more of a thing even in canada than it is in the united states i could be wrong the stats off the top of my head. I used to. Um, I don't right now. Uh, they're, they're very similar. I know that. I think in in our Western world, we just push medication more than the rest. So if you're if you don't need medication, you don't have it, which isn't really true. Some people can have ADHD or autism or whatever and never be on a medication. But again, knowing that you have it, you can then find strategies to help you. So for instance. Yeah. Um, for, and this will wrap into to your question too, actually, um, my kid, right. He's got, he's got autism. And one of the big things that we learned early on was too much stuff sensory wise, too much noise, too much light, too much people all at once was, was not going to go well. So from a very early time, we knew that if we needed to go to the mall, say, and it was December, we needed to find a babysitter because there no amount of saying, be on your best behavior or no amount of, I'll, I'll give you $10 if you're good. You can have candy after if you're good. You can't bargain with that because it's a sensory overload issue, right? So finding out the triggers and then working around them, trying to cope with them, and of course, dealing with them over time, like now he's 17, so he can do a lot more than he used to be able to. But knowing what they are means that you can work towards them. And, you know, when you say, when you say a lot of people and we're more people are on medication, I, I would venture to say that people um, who are adults who are undiagnosed with um, with uh, autism or ADHD, there is a reason why there are rows and rows of alcoholic beverages in the grocery stores <laughs> and wines and hard liquor and stuff and they have to replenish them a lot because they a lot of people self-medicate would that be true yeah. i i totally agree with you from all of the interviews i've done with people um and family experience too alcohol is often used as, like you said, a self-medication for some kind of underlying condition, whether it be anxiety or depression or whatever, that it's often used to fill some kind of void that you're experiencing. And so it's yeah, 100% I agree with you. A lot of a lot of times an alcoholic is somebody who's drinking a lot of alcohol is trying to numb something else. 
trying to numb out the world that they live in and the world around them, or maybe just your significant other who you. Uh, that's a story. <laughs> oh, that's what I do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I should not joke about drinking too much. That, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> That, that that's all right well and there's a reason why it is in every grocery store and convenience store and and, and see we don't have it in all of our stores up here but walmart does have it now um and zares has a tiny little wine store so but you go to most of them we're not allowed to sell them other than at the actual liquor stores yeah Oh, really? They they are so prevalent now that they put the liquor behind a cabinet uh, in a lot of cases because people will come in and they'll, I know this is hard to believe, but they'll steal, they'll yeah. actually steal the liquor. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is. Uh, it's, it's, Break the windows, everything to get in there and get all merchandise. Yeah. So, but, you know, and we all have got these, these issues and these problems and, and stuff, but I want to get back to your child because this is an important, because my granddaughter is uh, autistic. I and, do remember you mentioning that. Yes. And she is somewheres in, she's like five and okay. she's somewhere on the spectrum. Not exactly sure where she's much better at school than she is at home. Mm -hmm. um, but she's got this issue that I didn't even know was a thing, but apparently it's a thing. Okay. And um, so, and, and then we'll talk about your son because I, I'm curious to know if you've heard of this thing, and right. that is, um, she has toilet issues. That is a big thing. Yes. Um, actually, I <laughs> I wrote a book. A, I wrote a book on how to go to the bathroom. <laughs> a social <laughs> story. I did a social story to help with that skill because it's hard. Um, and it ranges in so many, so many different ways. Um, I think most parents or most people in general take for granted the fact that once they're potty trained, they can just go. Um well, first off, a lot of kids with autism take a lot longer to get potty trained. Some don't. Some some continue to to be in diapers for much longer. Um, and but they they can totally range from the fact that you know you need to wash your hands after you do. It, but why? I I don't see anything. And they it really does not compute that there are these things called germs that you you can't see. Um, there are times when so there are two two different toileting issues that my kid had. Um, so one for a little while, he would get so anxious being by himself that he would refuse to get up and go to the bathroom and would just write on the chair. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> right. He was very little though. It was a very, it was over a decade ago. Um, but it was a really big issue. And it's like, hey, well, how, how do we help with this? Because at, the time it was happening, we didn't realize the underlying issue was that he was too scared to get up because he was all by himself. Like he did not like to be all by himself. Um, eventually, you know, we obviously figured it out. I can't even remember how. I think just, I think we just started like, like a dog and taking him to the bathroom every couple hours, right? Like that, that's how you train a puppy. Um, kid, kids and dogs, they're so similar. <laughs> I get, I love my dogs more than i love my children well, <laughs> they, they know the hierarchy of the house is fine um <laughs> and then the other really big um toileting issue and this one was very 
prevalent and very hard to overcome was not wiping. And a big problem was when you didn't wipe and you didn't layer your clothes. So he hated layering his clothes. He still hates layering his clothes, but it's a lot better now. And what I mean by that, and we don't think of it this way for layering when we wear underwear and then we wear pants over top of them. Um, yeah. That was a sensory overload issue. And so he just wouldn't wear underwear. He'd go commando, which whatever, go commando. But if you don't wipe and you're going commando, see where you're I'm going, going with it? It's a mess. Yeah. You're going to put spots on the outside of your pants <laughs> that you might not want other people to see. Yeah, we de we definitely have had to throw out a, a whole bunch as they were getting, you know, getting used. Um, so that idea that that skill that I think a lot of us take for granted of how to wipe or that it needs to be wiped is it's just taken for granted and so for for kids a lot of times with autism we really have to take them step by step and this is what you need to do before you move on to the next thing well she as my son described it to me she was so terrified of the toilet that she and or going number two that she would hold it for as long as she possibly could and would have stomach aches and would do it but she didn't want to do it because it scared her somehow or another yeah is that a sensory overload as well um it could be it could be linked back to just it could just be linked back to a fear um to some kind of anxiety so there, there's so many different factors right but it could be a sensory thing where maybe when she's sitting on the toilet this, this might this might sound gross but you know when it goes plop and it goes sploosh, yeah maybe that bugs her it really yeah. could be that that sploosh if it if it splashes back is a scary sensation is something that she doesn't like to experience well yeah and, and it's, it's it's weird because you know she won't won't even go in the room Mm -hmm. And they and they tried using this the porta the small oh, kid yes. potty and that didn't work and and stuff and so I haven't talked to him lately about it but uh, she now is still having digestive issues but those are some of the things that we as as people that that haven't been in the autism world we don't really think about but those are really big deals when you have a five six or seven year old still wearing a diaper and i mean that can be a big deal if you know what i mean oh yeah like and how do you send them to school right like it's it is it affects every part of your life as the parent and their life as the kid because i mean they even if they are still wearing a diaper or they are non-vocal doesn't mean that they're dumb. And I think there's this big misconception that if they can't verbally tell you something or they are lacking in one skill, that they must be dumb. And that's not the case at all. That's why I like to say it's, it's a way of thinking differently. So being scared of the toilet is, you know, her mind is thinking about the toilet in a way that we can't necessarily understand, but it is a very real thing for her. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you look at it from from a different standpoint, if you look at it from, okay, let me get this straight. You want me to sit in this thing that's got a hole in the middle of it, and I have no idea how far down that hole goes, 
and what or what's going to come out of that hole that is like a snake or a or or something like i can so i get it it, it can be it can be a really um scary thing if you're not careful yeah so and that's why i always like to say it's a way of thinking differently and sometimes we have to change our thoughts to match and try to understand what's going on Yes, indeed. And increase, decrease your toxins, which, which you know who that is, Cayetana. Decrease your toxins. Oh, yes, I know who that is. That's Tanya. Yes. Yeah. And she Tanya. says the world will be, yep. And she says the world will be a dull place if creative minds, let's see, without creative minds that think differently. That's, yes. that is so true. So yes. true. You know, about the bathroom thing, um, Growing up, I was afraid of going to the bathroom too. Even, I mean, I'm 50 years old, and sometimes I still am afraid that something's gonna come out of the home. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's something that I carried since I was a little girl. Well, so you grew up in, 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 in what, what country you grew up in again? Ecuador, Ecuador. They have snakes there, and sometimes yeah. they do get in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a pretty legit fear there. Yeah, but I mean, I, I lived in the beach town. There were there were there were some beach snakes and in the water, the ocean. You know, that come at four in the afternoon. They come from the sand, and they're they're, just, they're they don't they don't do anything, but they're there. But I'm afraid of snakes, and uh, there's a lot of snakes in the jungle and in places where there's a lot of greenery, like countryside. Um, and then I lived in the city and Quito for a while in the, in the Andes and. It's cold there, so not many snakes. But uh, yeah, the fear of having a big rat coming and biting, biting your butt. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'd probably be petrified. <laughs> Bernice, you should write a book about that. The rat who bit your butt. Oh my God, that's a great title. I'll think about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> well, you are a, uh, in addition to being a speaker and an advocate for your son and also for autism in general, and, and in fact, you were diagnosed as being on the spectrum um, and stuff, you are also a prolific, and I mean prolific author. I you, love that you, word. Is, isn't, that, isn't that a good word to use for you? It is. It makes me, makes me all tingly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've written a ton of books in a, a bunch of different genres, and and including the the latest one, which you showed me the title of, which was about your cat, uh, Neo's Forever Home, and the poor kitty is missing a digit or something. So he he has to get his leg removed, um, mm -hmm. and then people are teasing him, and so somebody says, oh, we have to take home this kitty. People are teasing him. And then he comes home and lives with me and snuggles me forever. Yes, he is a real kitty. <laughs> and when did that book come out? Um, it came out this summer. Um, I It's so silly. I don't do a lot of promotion for my kids' books. Um, I, I really focus on my mental health books. And then it just kind of, because I do them as just like, a way for me to breathe in between my heavy books. So I don't think about them as like these great books I should promote, even though they are, and I probably should. You should. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. It's a great story. It rhymes. It's got a kitty. It's got a a purpose. And I just, you know, I I just feel like I just want to get those out because they make me feel better, especially after like the one that I wrote before that was about my brother's death. Right. So I just needed I just needed to feel good. (laughs) I kind of go ahead. No, I was going to say your books, uh, your characters uh, somehow. um, somehow connected with uh, having um, a challenge like autism, ADHD, my God. ADHD, I got you. That's right, I can't pronounce your name, so we're, you know, we're even. Yeah, yeah so like I want to know if some of your characters have suffering from some of these, um, you know, I don't know how to say, I don't want to call it disease. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. Um, so I, I, in my nonfiction books, obviously, yeah, because I'm writing about my life. Um, in the in the kids' books, it's not a huge theme. I don't, I don't make it a central theme. Um, but it definitely it just is there. I I write them as like kind of a reflection of of reality. They they still are kind of nonfiction, like Neo's Forever Home. Like I said, it's about my cat, um, who really did have his leg removed. Actually, it's because he was missing a bone in his arm. Wow. He just was he wasn't born with it. So the oh, humane no. humane society cut it off so he wouldn't have issues. So um I mean it, it has that theme of bullying, but not necessarily the mental health stuff, although there is um in the works right now. My kid is doing the pictures and taking forever. Um <laughs> there's a, a second Woofie book. So Woofie is this cute stuffed dog that lives in a classroom and goes home with different kids. Um, the first one was Woofie goes to the hospital. So he goes with this kid who has to get his tonsils out. And he basically helps the kid be really brave while he gets his tonsils out. This next one um, is about a kid who's hamster dies. And so kind of, again, being brave through something that is very difficult. And Woofie will probably, will eventually meet kids that are going to have autism, are going to have some different things that, you know, he's going to help them. It's all about being brave. So being brave to be who you are. I got to ask you because, and I'm not sure I've ever asked you this, but I'm struck by the fact that um, now that I know your story, you've, you've been all the way through a champion kickboxer to losing your brother to the autism, to all of the things. Yet you are such a darling, incredibly happy soul. How do you stay through it? given everything that you've been through i'm medicated <laughs> <laughs> aside from that no i i do take antidepressants every day <laughs> I, I i did go off of them and notice a huge impact in, in a downward spiral so i went back on them um so that that definitely helps um therapy i've been to a ton of therapy which has been a huge help and knowing myself better. So when I got that diagnosis of autism a couple of years ago, it was like, oh my gosh, yes, my life makes sense. Because like people would say to my mom when I was little, oh, you spoil her too much. I'm like, I'm not spoiled. Something is different. <laughs> um, so it it made me made me feel more heard, more known, I guess. And so that also helped play a big role in just feeling better. And when you feel better about yourself, it's a lot easier to be happy and cheery. And I love doing these these podcasts and shows. So that definitely, when you do something you love, you're gonna be you're gonna be happy. 
you're, you're right. There, there are days when I will drag myself into my studio and it's like, oh God, here we go. And then the lights come on, the music starts, the show begins and we all start dancing and everything's good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's but but it's just struck struck me because you are you are such a darling person and 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 you you work with your with your son and you're working very hard um through his schooling uh to make sure he got the attention and the things that he needed and you would not <laughs> I can I can only I can I'll bet you I got that you had people at your the school that he attended that was like, oh no, Miss Boswell's coming. Hi, everybody. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they definitely didn't like me. I, I realized early on um that something the school boards hated hearing was, let me think about it and get back to you. Oh my goodness, they hated that. They wanted an answer right then. I'm like, no, I'm in an emotional state. I can't make a good decision in an emotional state. For for too long, I went, okay, the school knows best. I'm going to agree. And then I'm like, mm, the school doesn't know best. I am not going to agree. And actually last year, um, there was a new a new VP um, who is principal this year, but he he took over for the vice principal position last year. And I'm like, oh crap, because my son has one more. This is his last year of high school. And with the old VP, we had a very good rapport. He knew that Lev was doing all his work from home. It, it worked. And so this other one comes and he's like, well, we're not actually allowed to do it that way. I'm like, okay, but that's what we're doing. I don't know what paperwork you need to fill out, but this is what works and this is what we're doing. And he's like, well, I'll have to look at his file and see. Because I said also next year, these are the classes he's taking. He goes, well, I'll have to look, make sure that that they're the classes he needs in order to graduate. I go, I know they are. I've already talked to the college for next year. I know exactly what he needs. This is what he's doing. And then I said, probably after about 20 minutes, I go, I can tell we're going to have a really hard relationship next year. And he goes, mm -hmm. and when I said that to him, his entire tone kind of changed. He's like, oh, I can't mess with this mom. Like I, she knows yeah. what she's talking about. She's just, she's going to inform me. And so that's how, and so we have a much better relationship now. So right when I said that, he goes, okay, let me, let me pull up his file right now. I'm like, yes, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's been doing all his, he's, um, does all of his classes on uh, online. Um, and it's so funny because so many people when, when COVID hit and classes all had to go online and, Oh, the poor kids they're they're suffering. I'm like, really? Mine's doing 10 times better right now. Yeah. Like he actually, yeah. the, the year that COVID first hit when he was in grade eight, he got an award at the end of the school year. I never thought he'd get an award from school. Like, we were shocked. He got an award at graduation because he did the best online learning. He was he was on top of all of his work. He submitted on time. He did all his lessons. And so they, they recognize that. And I'm like, and this is why online works for some. Don't say that they all have to be in a classroom. Classrooms don't work for some. We need options. And in this day and age, we have the ability to give options. So I think that we should be helping them do the work that they can do to their level. And if that means that they're not physically in a school, then so what? So don't be physically in a school. If I had that option when I was in high school, maybe my grades would have been better. Maybe I want to skipped all the time. Exactly. You know, I could just just see that um, 
that vice principal looking at you after 15 minutes of the conversation. And it became clear that you knew exactly what you were talking about. Exactly. And, and I'm sure when you said that we're going to have a problem, it, it, it was like, warning, 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 stand back, stand back. It's going to explode uh, because they, he, he knew better. He figured it out. Um, but that's what you had to do mm-hmm. to get it because he would have just taken the the normal way of just saying, nope, this is how we do it. This is yeah. what we do. And he's got to be here and da, 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 da. Rather, so you got to be an advocate and you are an advocate for your kids. You're an advocate for everybody. And thank you. Yeah. And teaching my kid how to be an advocate for himself. Like he's going to be 18 next year. That counts as an adult. He can go and vote. That's very scary. <laughs> 19, he can go and drink because we're in Canada. <laughs> But, you know, it's teaching the kids how to advocate for themselves. We started doing that at a very young age um, with simple things. So he was in um, he was in jujitsu when he was five. And the one time he I can't remember exactly because we're going back 12 years, but he said something to the sensei and it we're like, "Mm, mm, mm, mm." and so. We said, no, we're not coming to us crying about this. You need to go and take responsibility, which is part of advocating for yourself, being responsible for yourself. So it's a very good skill to learn at an early age. I said, no, you're going to go do this. And then um, he, we ended up making, we brought him in the next day and he cleaned up. There was some mess he made and he cleaned it up. We're like, no, no, he's going to do it himself. Don't, don't you clean it up for it. He's going to come do it. We, we also had a very good relationship with them too, which helped. Um. And then later on, as we got into more advocating skills, because once once you feel responsible for your actions, then you can more advocate for yourself, right? These all go together. And when he was in grade uh, five, yeah, grade five, he was um, in, it's called the section 23 class. So basically, it's a classroom outside of the regular classroom. And the school said, oh, it's going to be great. It's great. They they really sell it to you hard. Um, and it seemed like it would be a great fit. And then we realized that um, they didn't know how to deal with autism. They knew how to deal with the mental health because it was in um, our local mental health um, community service. And so we really thought, okay, that will be good. They understand community. They understand mental health. They have a social worker inside every single classroom. But the autism part of him just sucks in everyone else's energy and he replicates that mirrors it. And so they didn't know how to deal with that side of it. So I remember we, I was going to a meeting cause there was an issue at the school. Uh, cause he was replicating somebody else's behavior. Cause he didn't feel safe at class. There was so many meltdowns. So many, there was cops called to the classroom. There was only eight kids in this class. Um, but it was, you know, the hard, the hardest of the hard kids, and uh, so they said, we need to have have a school meeting. Great. What time should we be there? Well, we don't we don't think that he should he should be at this meeting. I said, so we should talk about him like he doesn't exist, like he can't make his own decisions for himself. I said, no, that that's not OK. He's going to come because these are decisions about him and his life. Um, obviously, I always have last say because I'm mom. Um, but no, you're not going to talk about him. Like he doesn't exist. Like he doesn't have a brain of his own. And so he came to the meeting and, you know, they, they would ask me, what do you think will work best for him? And I said, let's ask him, <laughs> Lev, what do you think will work best for you in this situation? And he's very, because we've always done that with the, um, with the take responsibility for yourself and 
again, lots of therapy. I'm a huge proponent of therapy, um, the self-awareness and stuff that he goes, when that happens, I need to be removed from the situation. I need, I need a break. We're like, great. How do we do that? <laughs> exactly. And so what did, what did he say? Or what did they say? They kind of, they kind of gave me this look like, wait, you're going to ask him? Like it was, it was more of a look. And then they went, oh, okay. Um, well, we have this room over here. And Lev goes, no, I don't like, cause the room that they were um, saying it was kind of like, kind of like a padded room in an insane asylum. Like it didn't actually oh have padded God. walls, but that's the vibe you got. Just like this yeah. room with no Lev's like, no, that makes me feel awful. Like that makes me feel like I'm in trouble. We're mm -hmm. like, we need a different solution because clearly that's not the one. So um, they just came up with, you know, put your headphones on, go to the back of the class and listen to some music and kind of chill out a little bit. But it really, you know, if we can teach them to advocate for themselves, then finding a job as they get older is going to be easier. Finding, you know, being able to do things for yourself becomes easier. It's a long road. And we've got a long way still to go, but you know, even just um, he has his license now. That's great. Holy heck! I know. Congratulations. Scary, very scary. Um, <laughs> and so he went to he went to the chiropractor appointment all by himself because I was at work. I said, "Okay, here you go." Um, and he got there, and so he had to make the the next appointment all by himself. Which again is something that we think is so like okay, but it's a really big deal. And um, even at for for neurotypicals <laughs> as they're called, um, it can be hard at that age because mom and dad always make your appointments. So at right. seventeen, you have to make your own appointment. What? How do I do that? Like even a regular kid goes, I I've never done that. And if you've never done something, how do you do it? And so having him make his own appointment because he's watched me do it, it's it's a learning skill. It's very important. Would you would you say that uh, kids like him, I strike that, forget that, uh, that that everything that he does, he needs to learn. That maybe some kids can see it by can learn it by watching somebody else do it, but he needs to do it himself, and that makes everything in the world it, it, each thing is a spectacular success when he makes it happen is that is that fair a little bit he he does um watch stuff first that does help and again everyone learns differently and when we know our learning styles it makes a huge difference so you're talking about like that hands-on kinesthetic learning um that's that's how I learn best by doing. I make a mistake and I'm like, okay, that's how I don't do it. So then I can do it a different way. Um, he, I'm horrible with auditory learning. He is much better at it when, and so he loves watching YouTube videos with different whatever, what the, whatever they're making or doing. And that's actually how he's grown his art skills so much. Like he he draws a lot of my books. He's, he's very good at it. But he's learned a lot of it from watching it on YouTube. Whereas I could watch that and be like, I I don't get this. This means I... <laughs> yeah. right. so there's just I think that um yeah, everybody learns differently and finding that learning style that works best for you is so important. But it is when it comes to learning the skills because he learns them at a different pace than others, it is a really big woohoo. Like when he did driving school. 
technically when you do driving school, you are required to do 10 hours of in-the-car training with an instructor after your class. Well, he needed double that, which is totally fine. Um, but no, I kind of knew going in, it's going to take longer because it's going to take him longer to get the skills. And once he did, oh my gosh, it was big deal. Went out, went out to the hot pot restaurant, paid a billion dollars, but it was awesome and worth it. <laughs> That's great. But- so yeah, Kaitana, do you, do you, I, because I told her before we got together, <laughs> I said in the meeting that you are one of my favorite people. Do you see now why she's one of my favorite people? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're warming. I like I like your vibe, the way you communicate. Is yeah, thank I love you, it. Thank, <laughs> you. thank you. Very lively. Yes. And, and actually, you were talking about Kaitana's glasses earlier, which I love, but you can't see mine from far away. Like, let's check these out. Oh, yeah. They got little oh, dinosaurs yeah. with Santa hat. Ooh. Oh, my yeah. God, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, I see those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to share because they're Christmas, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love I love funky glasses, too. Like, yeah, me too. If I'm gonna wear I glasses, love. they have to look cool, right? Why Obviously. <laughs> you need some better glasses, Kevin. <laughs> I know. Funky. Your glasses are good. You need funkier glasses. That's yeah. the more appropriate way to say it. Elton John. Yeah. I was gonna say Elton John. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're, not gonna, my drink out. <laughs> you're not gonna believe this, Cayetana, but I saw him in concert in 1976. Ooh, yeah. He was skinny and young and had hair. I wasn't even time. thought of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you telling me I'm old enough to be your daddy? I That's a scary daddy. thought. I know. I would, but you know, it's interesting because I've I've um, met some other people that I know you'll appreciate them. Um, there's a, a, a couple of kids named Sisters J. They're a musical group. Oh yes, yep. Are you familiar with them? I am familiar with them. Their mom has been on my show. Oh, Mary has become a really dear friend. And uh, would you mind if we played their uh, um, their uh, breathe in? Uh, we we did. I'm, I don't mind playing it, of course. But we did play it last time when we talked about it. Did you? And we and did. it was what this is one of those things, ladies and gentlemen, that if you watch it now, watch it later. It is so heartfelt. And so real because all the people, all the actors that are in this video, many of them are special needs, but they don't treat them that way. They treat them like normal, like everybody else, because they are everybody else. And it's just so. Can, can I play a yeah. little bit of it? Yeah, yeah. Kaitan, I don't think you've seen this yet. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So, oh, that'll be good. Yes, watch <laughs> this. This is Sisters J.
sisters jay i tell you that i love that song i love what they yeah. do with it and what do you what do you think kaitana oh i love seeing the children having so much fun that little kid in the yellow t-shirt and they were like pulling him and he was like so happy oh i love it <laughs> and i love and, it and it's me too and and randy lee i know you know the story that mary's uh, middle daughter lily was uh, not speaking for like five or six years and they're young they've got autism in the family and they work very hard and the kids are just sensational so um i'm glad you had her on your show what'd you think of her oh i loved her i'm i think i reviewed her book too um way back children's, way back when yeah. yeah children's book right yeah 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 um yeah, no, she she is fantastic. She actually hooked me up with a, another another Mary, um, and uh, I am in a anthology of people who were diagnosed with autism uh, in their late like as an adult. So that that was pretty cool too. So she she's awesome. I, I've talked to her a few times. I want to get her back on my show, but my work schedule went and changed on me. So I was like, hey, hold on, I gotta I gotta figure life out. If you don't want to do your show, you can just come on my show. That's all the time you can come in. All the time you can want. I do both. You can do anything you want. You're a woman. You're strong. You're powerful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I choose both. Because <laughs> I surely wouldn't want to mess with you. I tell you that right now. Um, so um, we, we're going to have to wrap this up, I'm afraid, in a few minutes. But Randy Lee, I want you to be able to take some time to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know about, about autism, about, oh, anything at all really 
Oh my goodness. There's so many things. Um, but I'm, I I'm know. Well, I'm you're a so you can talk for an hour on that alone. It's true. It's true. Actually, um, last week, so not, not yesterday, but last week, my guest had to cancel at the last minute and I was like, Oh, crap i i tried to get lev to come on the show and he's like no thanks i'm like okay um so i did end up talking for like 40 minutes all by myself i was like all right so we're just gonna talk about depression and i read some poems and um actually Mar marnie was commenting so that really helped because i was like able to answer answer some questions and stuff but yeah i, I definitely i definitely am a chatterbox um Speaking of the podcast, if anybody wants to, to check it out, it is called the Write or Die Show. Um, write like you're writing something. Uh, I interview other other writers. We talk about mental health. And it's it's a great time because as, as heavy as mental health is as a topic, like, like today we were talking about some pretty heavy stuff. I try to keep it light and fun because we still got to deal with it. We still got to live with it every single day. So um, instead of having it weigh us down, let's, let's just, it's just a part of life, you know, just like I have to eat breakfast every morning. It's just a part of life and you should always eat breakfast. <laughs> yes. Yes, mom. Um, all right, Donna, what do you think? Anything you'd like to add before we go? Yes. Yes. One, 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 thank you so much for coming and, and enlightening us with, with your, with your knowledge. Uh, one more question before you go uh, super fast. Like, how do you envision the future of the future of conversation around mental health, autism, and HDHD evolving? And what role do you hope to play in shaping and influencing these discussions? She always has the biggest questions. I know. Well, she thinks about it. I just say it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more like you on the fly. <laughs> um, so I think I think we have started having the conversation a little bit more openly. So on my show, I always like to say the only way to end the stigma of mental health is to speak openly and honestly. And I think that is the direction that we are going with these conversations. And I think that in the future, they will be more open and that... Um, when you go and go and talk to a professional like you've been trying to do, they'll they will also be more open to receiving what you're saying um, to hopefully then find find what you need to help you, what will work best for you. So I, I hope that that is the direction we're going. I feel like it is because even if you look back ten years ago, it was not the same as it is now. We are definitely speaking out more about it. And so I think that honesty piece is going to just continue to be a little bit more important. Well, Thank and I'll you. tell you from where we were uh, back in the 60s and 70s, there used to be a school that my mother would uh, volunteer at, and it was called the Furcrest School. And that's where uh, kids with Down syndrome and, and autism and stuff were, quote unquote, housed. Uh, <laughs> They were not necessarily in the community. Uh, you didn't see them because they were there and they were housed away from society. We're getting away from that, thank God. Uh, mm -hmm. And that school's long since closed. But I'm I'm hopeful that we can do things like this video and and treat people like these kids are and these human beings are happy. Um, and they're le leading their lives the best that they know how, just like we are. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, so it's you. You are such a pleasure. I know you're going to come back because you have to. You. I have to. 
I'd be on here every week if you wanted me. Like, come on. (laughs) You know, one of these days, you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to have a rotating show of my favorite people who come in and co-host, and then we have somebody else. What do you think about that? Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. That it would be great fun because I really enjoy Kaitana does a nice job and, and I'm happy to have her. And but it would be fun to have other people and rotate yeah. a bunch of folks through and we have uh, great discussions about you know things. Exactly. Yeah. Things are great to discuss. No matter how many times I've been on here, we always have more things. There is always something new. Yeah, our conversation is never the same. So everybody go back and watch the other episodes because they're different. Exactly. And at the end of the day, you'll get a complete understanding of who this amazing human being is. And I want to thank you for being here, my friend. I want to thank you for having me again and again and again. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, anytime. Kaitana, thank you for doing what you're doing. You're doing great. Thank you so much to you and Randy for, for, you know, being with us today and everyone who's listening. So radio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Way right there. And I'll be right the back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.